Hello Life Changers, thank you so much for joining us. We have got an amazing word for you, so why don't you lean in, grab a notebook and pen, and get ready for what God has to say to you today. Thank you, Gabriel. What an introduction. My name is Michael, and if you do not know me, um, I, someone introduced themselves this morning, and they said, you are the church news guy. And I'm like, yeah, apparently everyone knows me. Um, and sorry for that church news, I wasn't available, so yeah, to see Gabriel in a, a floaty crocodile. So that's unfortunate. But um, we are in our Luke 15 series, The Heart of It, and today we are going to be ending it off, but it is uh, looking at the prodigal son. And uh, there are three characters in the story. There is the younger brother, there is the older brother, but then actually we're going to be looking at the father today. And, uh, but I want you to cast your mind back, and you're going to imagine the story with me is you're going to imagine a young Michael. And he was ridiculously cute. He came second in a modeling competition when he was a baby. Yes, some say he may have peaked then, but look at my wife now. God is good. God is good. Uh, but he was ridiculously cute. And at the age of around five, he would wait at his front door in a cowboy outfit for his father to arrive. And I had this cowboy outfit. I was just waiting for my dad to come home because I wanted his undivided attention as soon as he set foot in that house. I wanted to play with him. I wanted to experience all the love that the father had in that moment. But you can also imagine this young Michael. Sometimes he may have been a but naughty, my mother's years, you can ask her, I may have been a strong-willed child, some may say, um, but depending on my behavior during the day would depend how I reacted when my father came home. See, if I was good and I knew that I actually uh, did all the things that I was asked to do, I, there was nothing stopping me from running towards my dad as I came home. But see, if I was a little bit naughty or like I knew that I was going to be in trouble, my mother said the ominous words, just wait till your father gets home. Anyone? Ask anyone? No, just me, okay? I would hide from my dad. I would, I would go to my room. I would try and busy myself with something because I knew that when he came home, there would maybe be some punishment or be some words that were spoken to me. But in that moment, when my dad came home, nothing changed in how he loved me. Nothing uh, changed that I was his son. And so no matter what my behavior was during the day, it actually didn't change the love that my father showed me in that moment. And this is a picture so many of us can see God in the same way. We either see God as a judge, that if we do the right things or the wrong things, he is going to judge our behavior based on that. And if we do enough good things, it will outweigh all the bad that we've done in our life. Or we see God as a taskmaster, that we have to perform in order to get God's favor and God's blessing. But I want to show us a different version of God tonight. And I want to tell us about God as a good father. And because that is going to change the way that we live. If we not only know about the love of the Father, but we experience the love of the Father, I truly believe it will transform our lives and will transform this world, that other people will encounter and experience the love of the Father, and that lives will be shaped and transformed in the city of Cape Town, and that His kingdom will take ground. And I really believe that the love of the Father will cross every boundary, will cross every demographic, because the love of the Father is the one that changes changes lives. And so we are going to read about that love tonight. And so I want you to turn to your Bibles, Luke 15. We're going to start from verse 20, uh, just a, a part of this passage, because we've looked at it for the last three weeks. I'm going to encourage you, go look at the other sermons, go online on our website. They, they were phenomenal sermons, but it says this. 
But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Let's pray. God, my prayer tonight is that we will not only know about your love, but that we will experience your love, that your presence will be made manifest in this place, but that we will be changed and transformed as we leave this building, Lord, that you will give us eyes for the lost, you will give us eyes of the Father, that we will see what you're doing, we will see who you are truly, and we will look at our own lives through the lens of the Father. I pray that we will meet with you this evening, but I pray that you will show us your grace and your love in this place. We pray this in your amazing name. Amen and amen. Turn to someone and say, it is good to be in the house of the Lord. And say it like you mean it. So this setting, in our Western culture, we maybe have a little bit of a bad understanding about how this scene went down. Firstly, when Jesus was telling this parable, the crowd would have been going wild. A son who took his inheritance from the father while the father was still alive would have been scandal in those days, people. It's basically like the Kardashians replaying itself out in those days. I know, scandal. But they would have been going wild. They would have been interrupting Jesus. They would have been not believing that the son would be doing that. But actually, it's as if the son went to the father and said, I wish you were dead. Now, I don't know about you, but if in the heat of a moment when you were a child, you may have said, like, I hate you to your parents, or I can't believe you're doing this. And there's that anger burning inside of your heart in that moment. But actually, the son went to the father, and the father's looking at his son and imagining that he said, I wish you were dead. Because the son would only gain the inheritance once the father died. But in this story, the son is asking the inheritance from the father while he's still alive. And the whole community, the listeners uh, around Jesus in that time would have been thinking, what is going on? Never has something like this happened before then or after then. There's no records of anything like this happening again. So the listeners would have been going, what is going on? What is Jesus trying to tell us in this moment? And so it's a completely different way of thinking. And also, the son wouldn't have just been able to make his way to the father. We maybe have this Western idea of Russell Crowe sitting on his porch, sipping some lemonade, running on that hill, is playing in the background while the son is making his way up, and the father just bounds with his polos and his grasshoppers and makes his way to the sun. That's not the image. That is not what happened here. See, there's this amazing ceremony called Kazaza. And if a son took his inheritance from the father and wasted it in the presence of Gentiles, he would be cut off from his community. And so what they would do is they would take a pot and they would smash it at the feet of the son to symbolize that he was cut off, that he was separated, that there is no way of coming back into this community. And the father would have to wait 
in his household. He would have to wait, emotionally withdrawn, not able to do anything. Why? Because the father's blessing could trump the community's decision. They knew that the blessing of the father, a word spoken from the father, could trump the community's decision. And so the mother would be the one that would run out to the boy. She would run and she would shower him with kisses and she would plead to the community on the behalf of the son and ask them and beg them not to separate her son from the love of the father, from the community and from the inheritance that he could get. And she would plead and beg and sometimes they would beat the son. Sometimes they would uh, throw insults at the son because the son is not only dishonoring the father, the son is dishonoring the entire community. But in this story, there's a little bit of a twist. See, just as the son makes his way towards the father, and he's th thinking this thing, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I want to tell you that that's actually not a heart of repentance. That, those words are actually seen in Exodus um, 10, when Pharaoh says those words to Moses, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And that's actually a way for Pharaoh to get out of everything, to actually just uh, like a plea bargain, to get out of all the wrongs that he have done and to get a little bit of favor. So when the son comes and I have sinned against heaven and you, he's not even repentant to the father. He's not even repentant for what he has done, what he has squandered. But as he makes his way up, the father starts running. And the father starts running in those days is a scandal as well. The father, the patriarch of the family, would not run. Why? Because he would have to lift his entire robe up. And he would have to be undignified. And they would see his knees and they would see his legs. And that would bring dishonor on the entire community as well. So not only does the son bring dishonor on the community, the father does as well. But that is the scandal of grace. As that son makes his way to the community and before he can be separated from any grace of the father, the father runs towards the boy. See, that is the story of the gospel. That is what is on offer for us today. And the father was watching the road. There was no text in those days. There was no WhatsApp to tell him that the son was coming home. The father was watching the road. The father was expectant for his boy to come home. See, when we look through the lens of the father, when we look through the father's eyes, the father's eyes are always on the lost. See, and we need to have the same eyes of the Father. Are we looking for the lost? Are we looking for those who have not experienced the grace and the love of Jesus Christ yet? See, turn your, just turn to the left right now. Turn to the right right now. And those empty seats are people who should experience the love and grace of the Father. But it's going to require us to step out. It's going to require us to show people His grace and His love and tell them that there is a Father who is running towards them and pursuing them. See, God is the first mover in your story. Even before the boy thought of walking back to his father, the father was waiting and watching the road for his son. See, God is the first mover in our story. See, it's not about what it cost the father. It cost the father a lot. But to get his son back was worth so much more. See, are we looking for people? Are we looking at the ones who are not here? Are we willing to pay a price in our own lives so that people can encounter the grace and the love of the Father? 
See, it's easy to just come to church. It's easy to go through the motions. It's easy to attend life group. But if we aren't having eyes for the lost, the way the Father sees, then we're missing out on something, guys. We're missing out on the core of the gospel. See, this is so important. And in those days, the, the, the whole village would prepare a feast. And so the father is saying when he comes to his boy and he puts the robe on him and covers his shame and he puts the signet ring on him uh, to symbolize his inheritance and he puts the sandals on him so that he could stand tall. And then he prepares a fattened calf. You don't just prepare a fattened calf. You don't just get a fattened calf from the spa down the road. That's not how it worked in those days. They would have to fatten that calf up, that cow up for months and months on end. What does that show? The father was expectant. The father always knew that the son was coming home. And so there's this amazing celebration that the father prepares for his son. And we need to know that there is a celebration in heaven every time a lost person comes home, every time a person comes from death because the son was dead to the father but now he has life because the father ran towards his child and do we have that same heart we are in the series the heart of it do you have the heart of the father because I want to say it will transform the way we live the reason I do what I do, the reason why I lead uh, the PM congregation with my beautiful wife, the reason why I do it is because I've realized that there is a, such a price that we need to pay, but there is something so much worth so much more, that there's people's lives at stake, that there's people who need the Father. We need the Father. We don't just need to attend church on a Sunday. See, are we seeking the lost and those far from the Father? Are our lives our lives would be transformed if we had the Father's heart. Others' lives would be transformed if we had the Father's heart. See, if this doesn't stir you, then I want to say maybe your heart no longer burns for the lost. Maybe it has become slightly more like the older brother. And I know at times my heart has become like the older brother. See, even though he was present in the Father's house, he was far from the Father. See, he can be in the proximity of the Father. He can be doing all the things for the Father, but his heart was far from the Father's heart. See, the Father's heart was there to cover any distance, any boundary to get his son back. But the older brother was looking at this and was saying, I have done so much for you. I have done everything you commanded. I have been there while you, my, my younger brother went out and squandered your wealth, but I was there. How could you uh, bring him home and celebrate his return. See, th thinking wrongly about our relation to God like this alienates us from the weak and from the sinners. It makes us forget those who are lost, and it makes us even forget that there are people who are lost and do not have the Father's love. See, the older brother was thinking wrongly about his position in the household. He was thinking himself as a servant, just a hired hand, what the younger brother wanted to be. Why? Because he wanted to do things in order to attain the father's blessing. And he said, you didn't even give me a goat. You didn't even give me a kid. The younger brother asked for his inheritance. He asked for so much cash. What does this older brother do? Ask for a goat. He is insane. <laughs> but that's what it makes us do. It makes our heart grow cold. It makes our heart get bitter. It makes our eyes so small and focusing on our own lives. And we don't want to give of our time. We don't want to give of our energy. We don't want to celebrate the lost coming home. Why? Because it's about us. 
It's about what we can get. And this is the thing. The father was no longer the older brother's treasure. The father was a means to the treasure. That's quite a radical thing, is that is the father your treasure? Is he my treasure? Am I looking at my brothers and sisters through the eyes of the father? See, look... Thinking wrongly about our relation to God will change the way we view others and the way we live our lives. We are sons and daughters of the God Most High. We are sons and daughters of the Father. You have every authority in heaven. You have the confidence of the Father, and you have received His love and grace. And we need not only know about His love and grace, but we need to experience it every day and every moment so that it transforms our lives because it is on offer for you. The Father's love will cross every boundary, will cross every sin, will cross every thought that you have thought. It will cross everything to get to you. And he's just saying, receive it, my child. Why are we buying that field? Why are we purchasing a building in Century City? Because there's the lost. There's those who need to receive the Father's love. There's those who need to hear about the good news of the gospel. And we can play a part in that. If we aren't praying for them, if we aren't sowing in that with our time, our energy, or our talents and treasures, then we're missing out. We're missing out what the Father wants to do in our lives and through our lives. And then we're just standing as an older brother and saying, no, this son of yours. And we no longer see the people as brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. We just say, this son of yours. We want to distance ourselves from what's going on. Why? Because we want to receive. We want to come to church. We want to be filled up for our own lives. But God is asking you to pour out once again. See, he will fall, but you need to pour out. He will fall again, and you need to pour out, and you need to go seek the lost and tell them about the worth of the Father. That is what he is asking us to do this evening. See, are we looking through the Father's eyes? But the response of the father to the older brother was the same to the younger son. See, he said, you are always with me. You are always with me, no matter whether your heart is far, no matter whether you are asking me to reject my child, you are always with me. And he calls him my child, not my servant, not my slave, not you who have done good things for me. No, my child. Know tonight that he speaks over your life and he says, my child, my child, you are always with me. We can always be with him. No matter what your circumstance, no matter what your lack, no matter what your disqualification, you can always be with the Father. And then he says, you are always with me, and all I have is yours. All I have is yours. If you need peace this evening, if you need healing from anxiety or depression, all I have is yours. Where you lack I am bountiful you. Where you have fear, I have hope and restoration. Where you lack in the natural, I qualify you in the supernatural. See, all I have is yours. See, we need to know that actually we are loved. We are so loved by our Father. And there's a Father who sent His Son to pay the ultimate price for us. See, if you are here, know that there is a great core of the gospel that should be burning inside of your hearts, that we live for something so much greater than ourselves. We live for something so much more than today or tomorrow. 
We live for the ones who are lost and far from God. And we can even be in church on a Sunday and far from the Father, just like the older brother. Are we living for other people? Or have we become just like the older brother that says, actually, I don't want my younger brother to come home. I don't want to pay a price. I don't want you to give more of your time, more of your energy, more of your grace, more of your love. I'm just okay standing here. I'm just okay doing the things and I'm going to try and earn your favor, earn your love. I promise you that is not good enough. See, the younger brother was separated from his father. He was ready to be cut off and the older brother was separated from his father. He was distant from the father's heart. But on the cross, Jesus received Kazaza on our behalf and he was separated from the Father so that we didn't have to be. See, he was cut off so that we could come here. And so much so that he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he was separated and the pot of our sins was smashed so that we did not have to be cut off or separated ever again. See, that is what the Father did for us. He sent His Son, and no longer did we have to be separated from His love and His grace, and the pot was smashed once and for all and poured out on the cross so that we can experience His grace and His love every day. Because He is a lavish Father, and He has prepared a feast for us, and He has fattened the calf for you, and He has pre uh, prepared everything in the heavens for you his child, his son, his daughter. And we just need to enter into that because we have received sonship through Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice, the one who drew near to us even before we thought of drawing near to him. And are we telling the world about this great celebration? Are we telling the world about this great feast that he has prepared? Are we telling the world about this great love and grace? See, the Father's love should transform the way we live. The magnificence of His love, the bigness of His love, the love that washes us white as snow, the love that transforms us from the inside out, the, the love that rewires our minds, the love that gives us a spirit of life and not a spirit of death, that same love should propel us to live for something different. That when the world looks at us, that they will see the magnificent worth of Jesus Christ. That as we go out in our businesses, as we go out in universities, as we go out in our homes, that people will see Jesus Christ and that they will experience the lavish love of the Father. They will experience His grace. They will experience the worth of Jesus and that the world will be worse off if we had not lived. Why? Because they would not see the Father in heaven because we had not shown them. That is the call that is on the city congregation. I believe that if we went out and we told people about the lavish worth of the Father, that the city will be changed, that addiction would flee, that strongholds would be broken, that there will be freedom in this place, there will be revival in the city once again. See, we worship in this building where there was revival, where the slaves worshiped in this building, and it was the first time a slave could enter a church in South Africa and worship the God Most High. We live 
in the, uh, we worship in a place where actually slaves were set free. Will we be set free, but will we go out and point to the grace and worth of the Father? Can we stand tonight? I truly believe that if we grasp, not just know, but grasp how much the Father loves us, that it will completely change the way we view ourselves, the way we view others, the way we live our lives. And so with all eyes closed tonight, if you're saying, God, sometimes maybe I see you as a judge. Sometimes maybe I see you as a taskmaster. Sometimes I even say these words, I am not worthy. And I do not believe that you could love me so much. I do not believe or know that your love can change me. Maybe I know it, but I haven't experienced it yet. I want you to raise your hand right now and my hand will be raised with you. And I'm gonna ask the Father just to pour out His presence and His love in this place. And if you're saying, Jesus, I need you to show me the Father. I want to experience this love, this grace, this lavish worth of the Father that Michael is speaking about. Won't you raise your hand right now? And Father, I'm going to ask you to show your worth, to show your love in this place. Will you tell sons and daughters right now how much you love them? Will you transform us from the inside out right now? And Holy Spirit, will you move in this place? Will you move us from apathy? Will you move us from temptations or pleasures or pressures in this world? And will you move us towards the Father? And will we know that the Father is running towards us right now? That His love is being poured out in this place and that we don't need to do anything to achieve it. We just need to receive it right now through the grace of Jesus Christ. And so, Jesus, have your way right now. Will you move in hearts right now? Will you rewire minds and thinking right now? Will you speak right now? And will you commission sons and daughters to a high core of the gospel to experience your love in every moment? Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to take your next step or find out what is happening in the life of the church, head over to our website or follow us on social media. Cheers.